Hello, my name is Derek Sogstead. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. And it reads, But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, this is, Say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Hey Grace242, last week I told you about Colin bringing his stuffed animal along to his MRI at Children's Hospital. Before the procedure, the nurse asked Colin the name of his stuffed animal to which Colin told the nurse that his stuffed animal is named Mama Dog. The nurse assumed that Colin's stuffed animal had a name because she picked up on the fact that Colin had chosen not just any stuffed animal, but this particular stuffed animal to bring along with him into the procedure. We didn't get into this with the nurse, but there's a story behind Mama Dog and her name. Colin received Mama Dog as a gift from his sister Bryn on his first birthday. And back when Bryn was one year old, she received what would become her favorite stuffed animal from her Grandma Tenhagen. That favorite stuffed animal of Bryn is a cat named Mama Kitty. So when Colin received his favorite stuffed animal from Bryn when he was one, the stuffed animal became Mama Dog. Bryn got Mama Kitty from her grandma when she was one, and Colin got Mama Dog from Bryn when he was one. Colin told the nurse his dog's name and God tells Moses his name. Last week, we sat on the edge of our seats as God gave us his personal name, which is I am in English and Yahweh in Hebrew. Colin's dog is named Mama Dog, and there's meaning behind that name. Mama Dog has meaning behind her name, and God has meaning behind his personal name. Last week, we said that I am can mean I am with you, or I am the one who brings all things into existence. This week we're going to drill down into both of these meanings and what our response ought to be to our God who tells us his name, Yahweh. So that's the roadmap for today. Now let's look into that first meaning, Yahweh, I am with you. Mama Dog went with Colin into his procedure and God goes with Moses. Let's look at Exodus 3 verse 12. God answered Moses, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. God says, I go with you into all of these ventures. When you appear before Pharaoh, Moses, I go with you. And when you lead the people out of Egypt, Moses, I am with you. God says, you do not go into this alone. I am with you. And God promises Moses that he will be with him through a bunch of signs. If you read the rest of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4, Moses tries to weasel out of all of these things that God is telling him he will do. And God continues to hold Moses' feet to the fire and says, no, I will be with you. And God confirms that he will be with Moses through a bunch of signs. And he even promises Moses, one day you'll look back and see that I was with you because you will worship me on this very mountain, Mount Sinai, that you stand upon right now. God promises Moses, I am with you in all of these ventures. God's personal name, Yahweh, which our English translations translate as I am, means 
I am with you. And in God revealing his personal name to Moses as I am with you means that God wants to know Moses and God wants to be known by Moses. Or said another way, God wants a relationship with Moses. God tells Moses his personal name because he wants a relationship with Moses. He wants to be known by Moses. Here's what Eugene Carpenter says about relationship in his Exodus commentary. To know someone by name means to know them intimately, not in a superficial relationship, but to know their character and nature as well. Morgan and I just finished up this fascinating documentary called The Tinder Swindler. And I don't think I'm giving away too egregious of spoilers here to say that there's a point in the documentary where one of the women who was swindled by this man thought she was in a dating relationship with him. This is kind of his M.O. He would gather these women and, and date them. And so this woman thinks she's in a dating relationship with this guy. And then it starts to occur to her through a set of circumstances that he is swindling her, that he is a con man. And then she learns that the name that she knew him by was one of many names that he would give to people. This man had many aliases. And so she realized, I don't even know this man's name. And she's freaking out because she's realizing she's been swindled. She doesn't even know his name. And as these realizations dawn on her, the worse realization dawns on her. And that is, not only do I not even know this guy's name, but I don't even know who this guy is. I thought he was my boyfriend and I have no idea who he is. Not only did they not know his name, but they did not know his character or his nature. God tells Moses, his name, his personal name, because God wants to be known by Moses. God wants a relationship with Moses. When God tells Moses his personal name, he is initiating a deep and abiding relationship with Moses. When God tells Moses his personal name, he wants Moses to know God's character and his nature. In the Tinder Swindler, this woman did not know his name, nor did she know who he is. Conversely, God reveals his name to Moses so that Moses not only knows his personal name, but knows who God is. In revealing his personal name to Moses, God is initiating a deep and abiding relationship with Moses because he wants Moses to know who he is. Recently, I was listening to a sermon that Pastor Kevin DeYoung preached on Exodus 3 where God reveals his personal name. And in that sermon, Pastor Kevin DeYoung said that he used to think that praying that God would be with someone was sort of like a lame prayer. Like if you didn't have anything else to pray, you would just fall back on, God be with this person. But then Kevin said that he has since done a 180 on this and that praying that God would be with someone is almost the most profound prayer you could pray over someone. I mean, I know how much I appreciate the prayer, God be with this person, because you know, I'll pray for someone before a procedure or before they go into a surgery and I'll pray, Lord be with them. And I pray that because I'm not the one who goes with them into that surgery. I don't accompany them into the operating room where they're going to undergo this procedure, but God does. And then oftentimes I'll pray for them when they come out of that procedure or out of that surgery. And I'll say, God, continue to be with this person as they heal. And I pray that because at some point I'm going to leave their presence again. I'm going to pray for them, but then I'm going to leave. 
But God doesn't leave. God stays there. And God is the one who continues to care for them. God is the one who continues to heal them. So I appreciate this prayer because I'm finite. I can only be so many places at once. But God is the one who abides. God is the one who continues to be with them. God reveals his personal name to us, Yahweh, God with us, because he wants a relationship with us. He wants us to know him. Have you ever had a time in your life where you might say something like, God just feels really far away right now. God feels far off. Or maybe you don't feel like you're connecting with him or you don't feel like he's listening. He just feels distant. He feels far away. And maybe if you haven't felt like that, I guarantee you that there will be a time that you do feel like that because all of us have felt like this at one point or another. All of us at one point or another have felt like God is far away. For those times when God does feel far away, the issue is not that God has withdrawn himself to some distant, faraway place. Rather, the issue is that we perceive him to be far off. The disconnect is with us. The issue is in our ledger, not in God's ledger. Because God promises Moses in Exodus 3, I will be with you. And then look at what God says in Deuteronomy 31.6 to the people of Israel. The Lord, capital L-O-R-D, meaning Yahweh. So Yahweh, your God, goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. When God feels far off, it's our problem, not God's problem. When God feels far off, the issue is in our ledger, not in God's ledger. I love this quote by Pastor Tim Keller who says this, Everything we do wrong and every experience of inordinate anxiety or anger or pride always comes because at that moment we're forgetting who God really is. God is Yahweh, I am with you. And this is the relational element to God's name. God is also Yahweh, I am the one who brings all things into existence. And this is the purposeful element to his name. So we have a relational element and we have a purposeful element. Look at Exodus 3 verses 15 to 17. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to be remembered for all generations. Now go and call together all the elders of Israel. Tell them, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me. He told me, I have been watching closely and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I have promised to rescue you from your oppressions in Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. God tells Moses, I am Yahweh, the God who is with your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I worked my purposes through them. I worked through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and now I'm going to work with you. I'm telling you my personal name because I am about to work my purposes through you, Moses, and the people of Israel. And first on the docket is to break you out of slavery, and then I'm going to break you out of slavery, and then I'm going to lead you to the land of your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God reveals his personal name to Moses to say, I am the one who is going to work my purposes through you. Now remember that this conversation between Moses and God does not take place over phone, it doesn't take place over text, it doesn't take place over a mailed letter, 
it takes place over theophany. Now, do you remember what a theophany is? A theophany is God appearing in visible form to humans. And let me ask the kids in the house, church. Kids, what is the form that God has taken right now? What is the form that God has taken in Exodus 3? How is God appearing to Moses? In a burning bush. Now, let me ask you kids another question in the house, church. What is special or unique or weird about this particular burning bush besides the fact that God is in it? What is weird or different about this particular bush? And we're going to read Exodus 3 verse 2, and then you tell me, or you tell the people in your house, church kids, what's weird about this burning bush. Let's look at Exodus 3 verse 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him, Moses, in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. Okay, kids, what's weird about this bush? It doesn't burn up. <laughs> it's on fire, God's in it, but it doesn't burn up. The family who used to live next door to Morgan and I used to have campfires in their backyard all the time. And before they moved a couple years ago, they took me into their garden shed and they showed me this huge tub of dried firewood that they had. And they said, Bill, we don't want to move this to our new house. Would you be interested in this firewood? And I thought, yeah, I definitely would be. All my firewood sits in a pile next to my fence and gets rained on. And so it's wet all the time. So I have a hard time burning it. So it'd be great to have some dried wood to include with the wet wood. And, and sure enough, it works really well. When we have campfires, now I mix the wood that sits out all the time with the dried wood in the tub. And man, can I get the fire going well with that stuff. And we really miss that family because they were a great young family to live next door to. But they gave me this wood because fires need wood to burn. When you stop feeding a fire with wood, it goes out. But this bush in Exodus 3 doesn't need wood to burn. It just burns. This theophany is a visible representation of who God is. He is the one who causes all things to be. He doesn't have a cause. Nobody created God. Nobody brought God into being. He always was, always is, and is to come. He is eternal. He is the unmoved mover or the uncaused cause. The fire in the bush doesn't need wood for its existence, just like God doesn't depend on anyone or anything for his existence. He is the creator. He is the one on whom all things depend. The fancy theological word for this is aseity. Aseity means that God owes his existence to himself. He does not need to go outside of himself to find purpose or life. God is self-existent. Because Yahweh is the self-existent creator, he works his purposes through his creation. And in this case, he will work his purposes through Moses and the Israelites. Now look at Exodus 3.18. God is saying to Moses, as the self-existent one, I am going to work my purposes through you, but first we have to break you out of slavery, and to do that, you have to go to Pharaoh with a message. Let's look at Exodus 3, verse 18. The elders of Israel will accept your message. Then you and the elders must go to the king of Egypt and tell him, the Lord, Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So please let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. God reveals his personal name to Moses. Yahweh, I am the cause of all things. And God tells Moses, I want to work my purposes through you. But God says, you have to go to Pharaoh and deliver this message from me. 
And so Moses has to do what God has told him to do. Moses has to be obedient to the purposes that God wants to work in and through Moses. And Moses has to go before Pharaoh, which is not an enviable position to be in. This is why Moses tries to weasel out of it. And Moses has to give Pharaoh this message, let my people go so we can take a three-day journey and worship the Lord. And there's no expectation that the people would return. Moses doesn't say, we'll be gone three days, just three days, Pharaoh, and then we'll be back again. No, it's like, we're out of here. We're going to go serve our Lord instead of serving you and your slave purposes, Pharaoh. And Moses has to be the one to deliver that message. And so Moses has to be obedient to God who wants to work his purposes through him. Now the same goes for us. God wants to work his purposes in and through us. But that means that we have to be obedient to those purposes. And I know that a lot of us would rather set our own agenda, would rather set our own purposes. We want to be the dictator of those purposes. But God says, no, you need to be obedient to me. I want to work my purposes through you, but you have to be obedient to those purposes. You have to be obedient to me, not your own purposes. Telegraphed in God's personal name is his relational desire to be with us and his purposeful desire to work in and through us. And when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, he said, I will be with you and I will work my purposes in and through you. And many, many years after, God would appear again, but this time not in a burning bush. He would appear as one of us. He would appear as a man. He would come to us. Relationally, this man was with God, and he was God, as John 1 tells us. He was eternally with God in the beginning. Relationally, this man Jesus invited 12 men to be close to him, to share life with him. And Jesus purposefully invested himself in these men. Jesus made disciples out of these men, showing us Yahweh's primary means of working his purposes in this world. And then after dying on the cross and rising from the grave, Jesus hands the baton to his followers. He says to his followers, I've shown you how my Father wants to work his purposes in this world. Now you are to continue in the same way, making disciples. Jesus says this in his final address before returning back to his Father in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Let's read Matthew 28, 18 to 19. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Verses 18 and 19 are the purpose. God wants to work his purposes in and through his disciples. But now, this is really neat, look at Matthew 28, verse 20. Jesus says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, be sure of what, Jesus? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 18 to 19 shows us that God wants to work his purposes primarily in and through his disciples. This is his mission. But verse 20 shows us that we don't do that mission alone. We don't go forth alone because Jesus himself says, I am with you in that. Who is our God? He is Yahweh. I am the one who causes all things to be. And he is Yahweh. I am the one who is with you. That's our God. Now go back to the theophany of the burning bush in Exodus 3 verse 2. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. The angel of the Lord appeared to Moses? But I thought Yahweh 
was speaking to Moses. Who is this guy? We'll answer that question next week. Love you, Grace 242. See ya.